0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Made for Life. This podcast deals with the challenges that are faced by men and women who rely on protection on the job and in their daily life. The podcast is, of course, brought to you by the fine people at Tincata Protective Fabrics. In today's inaugural episode, we're going to be talking about the challenges faced by firefighters. Because when you think about somebody on the job, men and women who are out there facing danger, potential problems, thermal events, it's easy to think of firefighters because they rely, obviously, on a lot of protective equipment that keeps them safe. Firefighting is an interesting thing. There are a lot of duties that firefighters have that some people think about and some don't. You think about firefighters running into a burning house. Well, that's called structural firefighting. Firefighters do other things. There's what's called USAR, urban search and rescue. They do extractions from vehicle crashes and and things of that like. But another interesting aspect of firefighting is wildfire fighting, or what's called wildlands firefighting. And right now in our country, if you've been paying attention to the news, you know that out west uh, they're being hit particularly hard this year with some serious wildfires. So uh, we're going to have our guest on the show today. I'm your host, Stuart Perry, and today we've got uh, Mr. Travis Espinoza, who's joining us. He's with the Barstow Fire Protection District, and he's going to tell us what's going on out west. Travis, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. How about you guys?
0: Doing good. We're trying to stay safe and stay isolated. Uh, Like I mentioned in the intro, uh, obviously there's a lot going on out there on the west coast, and you guys are having a pretty tough time of it, I understand.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, The fire season started earlier, which uh, normally starts about October, Uh, but this year uh, we've had a couple major fires uh, throughout the state, and it's uh, taxing the resources, it's taxing the guys and the girls out uh, putting it all on the line, and uh, we're just trying to do our best with uh, the resources that we have.
0: Now, have your resources been limited in any way, or are you guys operating at pretty much full capacity?
1: Uh, Well, right now, what you got to understand is uh, all throughout the state, we have the Master Mutual Aid Program. Uh, All departments that I know of, at least in our general area, uh, are all out and about. And they're participating in the the system, and they're doing and providing whatever services they can to uh, help combat the the wildfires uh, throughout the state.
0: Travis, how long have you been a firefighter, if I can ask?
1: Uh, I actually started... uh, with my agency in 2005 uh, and prior to that uh, spent some time with the Ford run fire department and the Marine Corps based fire department. So total years of service is going on about 25 years.
0: So you were in the Marine Corps, I take it?
1: Uh, no, I was actually a civilian employee oh, okay. um, for the Marine Corps fire department.
0: Well, that must've been interesting,
1: huh? Uh, yeah, it definitely uh, gave me a whole different perspective uh, in the fire service other than a municipality.
0: So, now, in your service as a firefighter, have you done structural and wildland firefighting and will pretty much run the whole gamut, I guess?
1: Yeah, so with, uh, with our area and uh, most of the fire service uh, throughout the state of California, uh, we're an all-risk fire department. What that means is we handle all structural, wildland, uh, rescue, EMS, uh, hazardous materials. Uh, so we're, we we got to be a, a jack of... All trades, a master of, of
0: none. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly know the feeling. I've often been called a jackass of all trades, but I do understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm right with you. Now, let me ask you this. In your opinion, this year's season, is it? how would you compare it to years past? Is it is this the, the most severe that you've seen, or is this what you guys would expect, Just or did it just start early? My real question well, is, is it worse in terms of the, the actual burning that's going on?
1: Uh, If you look at the numbers, uh, the numbers that I've seen, uh, we have definitely burned more acres throughout the state than in years past. Um, I don't know that I can really justify with factual information that it is the worst in history, um, but I have heard those terms. Uh, I know our governor has uh, definitely stated it's uh, a firestorm, and we're, I believe the last numbers I heard, up in the millions of acres burned, which... uh, definitely blew out the, the years past as far as that number goes.
0: Uh, I hear there are a lot of evacuations as well going on out there. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, in our general area, we have uh, two big fires going right now. You have the El Dorado fire occurring down in the Yutaipa, California area, as well as the Bobcat fire, which is uh, burning uh, kind of on the outskirts of L.A. Um, and now that Bobcat fire has crested the mountain and it's actually up into what we call the high desert. Uh, toward uh, L.A. County and the Lancaster area. So you have basically uh, two different kind of camps working this fire, one from, from the desert side of it and one from the city side of it down in L.A.
0: So uh, are there any volunteers coming in from out of state to help, or are you guys at that point where you need uh, to help?
1: Well, I know I was assigned recently. Uh, we, we got dispatched to the CVU Lightning Complex fire on August 20th, And we got released from that on September 2nd. And I know for a fact there, uh, we saw resources from as far as, uh, New Jersey showing up.
0: Yeah. Well, Travis, tell me a little bit about, a little bit about yourself. You're a family man.
1: Uh, absolutely. I, uh, started, uh, I was actually born and raised out in Barstow, California. It's a small town. Um, got that small town vibe, uh, grew up there. And when I was about 22, I had my daughter and, uh, Her mother uh, moved away, so about 30 miles, and I moved with him uh, to stay close to her, uh, continuing my pursuit to become a full-time firefighter. Uh, I obtained that and uh, pretty much been dedicated my life to my family. Um, I have my wife now, and and we have three kids total, and we enjoy uh, doing a lot of water sports. Uh, Desert sports is real big out here, so UTVs and off-roading. Uh, doing the camping thing and and just trying to decompress whenever possible.
0: Of course. It sounds great. So it sounds like you get a a pretty good thing going out there in Barstow, huh?
1: Uh, Absolutely. It's a, it's a cool little town for sure. It's a very, uh, everybody knows everybody, everybody's in your business. And and it's one of those things that uh, it's just one of those really cool towns. You don't have the big city life where we're about, halfway between los angeles and las vegas so you can kind of pick your poison on what you want to do and you want to go to the beach or you want to go gamble and you gotta got the best of both worlds in our community
0: wow that's great it's nice to know that you're that that closely connected to the community is that common among is that just uh, the kind of person you are is that a thing you see amongst your your the guys that serve with you in the fire service
1: oh well i think the fire service in general you know you live over a third of your life with the, uh, in the community that you're serving and that time spent away from your family, no matter where you live, uh, you become connected. Obviously I have a little, and there's quite a few of us within our department that have that deeper connection because we were all uh, born and or raised in our town that we're serving. Um, so you have that, that little deeper connection to it. Uh, but I would say throughout the fire service, you're going to find, um, uh, the same feeling across the board as far as, you know, we're there to serve the community. Uh, we're there to serve the taxpayers. They, they pay our paychecks and rightfully so, they, they deserve the best of us when we're there.
0: Excellent. That sounds great. I've known quite a few firefighters and I, I would agree with that assessment. I think it's just part and parcel of what they are. And as you know, Travis, I mentioned at the top of the show that we are being sponsored by the fine people at Tencata Protective Fabrics. And obviously, we're involved in the manufacturing of the fabrics that go into firefighter turnout gear and wilding gear, uh, whether it's the, the the ensemble or the single layers that they wear. In your experience, what would you say when it comes to your PPE? Uh, in terms of you can anything you want to talk about your boots, your helmet, your SCBA, or whatever tools you guys use on the job, are those things? I imagine on a daily basis, those things are important to you, and you have to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, You you use the term PPE or personal protective equipment. Uh, We got to be able to take care of ourselves in order to take care of others. Uh, So making sure that we have high quality PPE provided to us, making sure that we're donning and wearing them correctly and properly uh, is important to us. And just being able to make sure that we can function and do our job correctly uh, is also important to us. So the materials that they're made out of are going to, one, protect us, but we also got to make sure that we're able to manipulate and move around in them and that they don't hinder uh, our operations. Uh, that's all very important. Probably be, We were actually just having this conversation at work yesterday um, about PPE and, and how important it is. And it should be our number one priority when it comes to any kind of uh, budgetary uh, decisions, making sure that we are provided with the best of the best. And that's definitely what uh, your sponsor
0: does for us. Excellent. Well, that's good. That's great news. And I'm glad to hear it, Travis. Uh, there are good people over at Tinkata And uh, it's important. I'm glad to hear you say that, uh, that you guys are trained in how to wear it properly and make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, in my line of work, I do talk to a lot of firefighters. And uh, for instance, at the FDIC conference every year, and uh, it's really astonishing sometimes how little firefighters actually know about their gear. Do you ever encounter that, like with the new guys or so forth? And you really have to walk them through it and teach them how to how to wear it appropriately and how it functions.
1: Well, absolutely. With the, today's firefighter coming out of the academy, you're we're getting a, a lot younger kids um, that are deciding that the fire service is a career they want to pursue. Um, and you know, when you're you're dealing with an academy, you only have a, a minimal amount of time to to cover PPE because there's so many topics. Uh, to cover in that eight to 12 to 16 week academy that I feel personally, maybe PPEs are, are kind of brushed through pretty quickly. So when we get them and we decide to invest in them and they start on the floor, uh, our training officer has set up a, a curriculum to where we're dealing with PPEs every single day of their probation to make them uh, understand and, and know the, the requirement of the PPE, know the standard that it's supposed to meet, know the proper donning and doffing of it, the proper laundering of it, uh, so that way we're not breaking down any of the fibers and making them unsafe, because they naturally uh, decrease, if you will, in value year after year with a 10-year shelf life. You know, after that first year, if you don't ever put them on, they they can decrease by, you know, 5%, 10%. So they need to realize that inspecting their PPEs every day and making sure that they're in good, proper working order is, is paramount to their safety and the safety of their crews.
0: Absolutely. That's great news to hear. Now, Travis, let, let's have a little fun here. We're, we're pretty deep into this thing. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're super busy. Yeah. What is the craziest thing, the most outlandish or outrageous thing that you've ever seen in your time as a firefighter? And, and it can be, you know, I don't want you to tell any horror, horror stories, but just something right. that, that really that really took you aback when you saw it. What What would that be, would you say?
1: Oh man! There's uh, in our little town we uh, we run we cover sixty square miles in the fire district with two fire engines and we run last year we ran nearly eight thousand calls so <coughs> excuse me we see a lot uh, we have one of the busiest freeways the interstate fifteen that comes through our town um, so like you said I can go into horror stories uh, some of the craziest things just the other night we had uh. A semi flip over, and a car got trapped underneath the trailer of a semi. And I thought it was going to be a career type of incident, and it was a non-injury accident. Wow, that's the kind of craziness we we see to to the gore, like you said. But uh, it's relating it back to your conversation about the wildland fires. Uh, our experience on the CZU Complex Fire being in an area that uh, we're definitely not familiar with uh, on a daily basis in Barstow because we're desert, uh, landscape, uh, being in the forest and, and seeing that kind of fire behavior uh, around the big timber trees, the thousand-hour fuel, uh, definitely was uh, crazy to me to see the fire behavior and how the fire just basically creeped and crawled underneath the duff and then would just pop up behind you uh, that's probably my most recent uh, experience I can share with you and, and your audience. Wow! Uh, it's just that was actually something that I'll never forget uh, throughout the remainder of my career and something I never experienced.
0: So it's really a good delineation to note the difference between structural fire versus a, a wildland fire because they behave so differently.
1: Oh, absolutely! I, I've always I tell my new guys and anytime time I teach a class, um, you know, your your structure fire is a is related to like a fast. Sprint, get in there hit the seat of the fire and then go home where your your wildland fire is a long jog uh, because the the, it's affected by the weather the fuel the topography and so unpredictable and any of those factors can change your fire behavior and put you in a bind in an instance so i I always treat it like a a long jog you got to be in it for the long haul got to always stay aware of your situational awareness Uh, be prepared to adapt and overcome to any changes so that's that's definitely something that uh, we stay uh, up on as far as our training goes
0: excellent well travis we're just about at the 20 minute mark and like i said i know you're super busy i don't want to keep you too long but i do want to thank you for joining us today it was a pleasure having you as our guest and i I look forward to talking to you again in the future if we get the opportunity oh
1: yeah absolutely i I do this every day if you need it
0: thanks travis i really appreciate it And for all thanks travis it was good having you best of luck out there stay safe okay buddy
1: I will. You too,
0: guys. All right. Thanks a lot. So that's going to close it out for our inaugural episode of Made for Life, brought to you by the good people at Tinkata Protective Fabrics. Thanks again to Travis Espinosa for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and stay tuned because there are more on the way. I can promise you that. You guys have a good day.